Welcome to Are We There Yet? An exploration in education and anime. I'm your anime idiot, Tessa Dugan. I'm your anime expert, D. Hollander Gonzalez. And I'm Brennan McCullough, your anime R.L. Stein. Brendan, now you need to change your name. Uh, I'm going to call you Steve. I'll t- yeah. No, I know Steve. He's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> Redeem the we'll name then. It. We'll workshop it. That's, that's your quest, where we bestow upon you a name that you must redeem. <laughs> How about the first name I can correctly say five times in an episode recap will be my new name. That will take forever, but I accept it. I'm Ida. I'm the Ida of the podcast. <laughs> but, well, that's, I mean... It's not wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. It works. I'm not rule-centric enough. I'm the opposite. That, I am a chaos gremlin. Yeah, that's true. I think if any of us are the Ida, it's probably me, but... I'd, you keep us on track probably the most. Yeah. Hey, we're all Idas. That's <laughs> why we're here. We all have glasses. That, true. <laughs> that's half the uh, personality trait of Ida. <laughs> <laughs> glasses and, um... Blue hair? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, oh. Oh. I couldn't tell if that was Sirens or... The return. <gasps> the one we've all been waiting for? We don't talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, anyways, uh, spooky ominous sounds uh, aside, what are we watching today? Oh, what a coincidence. We're getting ooky spooky here in February, and we're going to watch Junji Ito Maniac, Japanese Tales of the Macabre. <gasps> Whew. I know. It's Can you believe I said that all and didn't have to look at my notes? No, because well, I was looking at I my notes actually and I cannot. say it. Yeah. It, I it didn't even bother to, to write the full title down. It was so long. <laughs> Got them I there. I want to say. Ito, I, think Ito it's, I think it's very funny that it's called Junji Ito Maniac because this man, even though the content he makes is spooky, scary, gross, is a very soft, smoke, spoken, gentle man from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's become like just... A joke that he is like the opposite of uh, Miyazaki. Oh who yes, makes that's beautiful, wonderful, wholesome movies. And Miyazaki himself is like a curmudgeon, the old, like jaded bastard. Yes, I could see the meme in my head, but I couldn't remember who the other person was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just know uh, uh, he he's a man in Death Stranding who's very thankful if you bring him yogurt or whatever. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I, was, I was that tracks. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that tracks. That seems like what Junji Ito would do. He'd be oh. <laughs> grateful for his dairy product. I wanted to reframe our usual question of have you guys heard of this show to more of what do you guys know about Junji Ito's work? Let Tessa uh, take that. Yeah, truly, mostly the internet persona, uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Uh, but yeah, I've seen like bits and pieces on the internet. I am... I love the style, like, from what I've seen, Mm -hmm. this is extremely creative and extremely uh, evocative visually uh, Japanese horror, but I know, like, the couple things, the name Uzumaki, (laughs) and that's about it. Great. What about you, Brandon? 
Uh, I know a decent amount. I'm not uh, the biggest horror fan. I, I respect the genre immensely, because if you can do horror right, it's really impressive and well done. Uh, mm. I gotta fight those intrusive thoughts, though, so I don't like the visuals. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I'm but the same. I know with Jinji uh, Ito, I know you know fair amount from the internet. I know he's done a book like about cats. He's a big fan of cats. Oh yeah. Um, which is uh, adding to his like very wholesome domestic <laughs> like personality. Um, as well as yeah, I've read a few of his like short stories. Like this whole belongs to me. It, it was made for me. Like that old chestnut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually got Uzumaki a physical copy of it as a groomsman gift at a wedding I was in. Oh, wow! As well, as, well so as a lovely. homemade knife. I don't, I don't talk to that friend anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like a a warning person. <laughs> Eccentric. Yeah, I also had to not read the Uzumaki on the airplane. I got to a few pages and there was a kid next to me. I was like, all right, this is. This is a for public reading. Mm. Um, See, I just love that you were sat next to a child on the plane. You're like, mm, I can get a couple pages. <laughs> I was think, I'm thinking, like, he's not going to be looking over my shoulder. I can, like, turn the book a bit. And then I got to, like, a few pages. I'm like, oh, no, this is just if, like, anyone walks by and sees this, it's bad. So mm. <laughs> um, so I've read that. And it is fantastic. And I know the miniseries is supposed to be coming out this year. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. So, I, I again... He does horror right, and it is really impressive and really well done. Uh, yeah. Again, though, those visuals, hard to get out of the brain. Yes, we've we've talked outside of the podcast about the Junji Ito collection, which uh, not was not very successful great. as an anime. No. No, I haven't watched any of that. Um, I've seen clips. Not good. Yeah, but this is a, a brand new thing on Netflix that came out about a month ago, and... Um, I don't know. I've I've never read Uzumaki, but I've always been interested in his work because I am a horror fan. I'm like a casual horror fan, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I am very interested in this because it is just a bunch of little episodes of his shorter stories, and I think that's great. I have read... I read one of them that was absolutely disgusting and made me <laughs> feel really bad. <laughs> Yeah. I forget what it was called. I'm very but... interested. <laughs> the one thing I read Go. did upset me deeply, but... <laughs> That's what I, I want, want more. though. I want to be upset <laughs> deeply. <laughs> it was... I forget what it was called, but it was just a girl who was like... Everything was covered in, like, grease. And there's a really disturbing image from it that I won't describe, because that's how <laughs> terrible it is. <laughs> Vaguely um, remember this, yeah. But there's also one where a girl turns into a snail... That yeah, I think I've read. That's an Uzumaki. It is? Uzumaki. We're getting very off track. Well, actually, no, we're kind of on track uh, for once. Uh, <laughs> Uzumaki is a linear like story. It's got like a coherent like through line of a plot, but there's a lot of like almost side stories sprinkled throughout oh. it of a bunch of stuff. So one, uh, which was honestly the most viscerally upsetting for me, was people turning into snails and slugs. Um, there's not really horror to it besides just the body horror of like, my classmate's a slug now, and he's gross to look at. That's <laughs> and I it. Feel like that's, I feel like that's Junji Ito's brand, where it's just like, wouldn't this be fucked up if this happened? Yeah, he's got a weird brand of, like, not necessarily, like, obviously threatening, like, Freddy Krueger, the serial killer. But just, like, this is so weird and unexplainable, it upsets me to my core, and I can't explain yes. why. Yeah. So, I'm really excited <laughs> to watch this. <laughs> yeah, let's... 
Let's get to it. We're going to watch episodes three, six, and nine. forget that February's winter and winter's spooky too because everything's dead still where seasonally appropriate. Ah. Ah. California. Maybe we should have done a Valentine's Day episode instead, but no, we're getting spooky. Hey. Love is dead. Love is the spookiest thing of all. Yeah. <laughs> I say as the only single one on this podcast. I was going to say. <laughs> uh but hey, being scared together is like an intimate experience. So let's come at it from that angle. <laughs> Showing your full ass to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a different type of vulnerability. Oh, sorry. Brendan, hey. Brendan, we'll talk. Um, Listen, my ass is scary. We'll, they're both to me. <laughs> so, episode one. All of the episodes just start off with the opening. Um, which feels very, like, middle school, edgy, a little bit. It feels like an AMV. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I liked the song, and, like, toward the end of the opening, I liked the visuals more with, like, the girl on the screen. Mm-hmm. But, like, it had the vibe of if somewhere in the background pot leaves and just, like, AK-47s uh, <laughs> were in there, you would totally believe it. And you're like, oh, yeah, like... 2007 middle school rap video. Got it. it yes. <laughs> feels like Hot Topic and Spencer's Gift shared a storefront together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, this particular episode is called Hanging Balloon, and we open on a bedroom. There's a girl in there, and someone is knocking on her window, telling her to open it, trying to, like, coax her with, like, a very, like, gentle tone of voice. And she says, I know you don't have any food left in there, so you should just open the window. Then, we get a flashback to a month ago. Uh, there is a body hanging off of a building by a noose. The newscast describes the incident. The victim was, uh, Terumi Fujino, a girl who worked in the entertainment industry. And we see like a clip, a quick clip of her, like on some news program. Um, and then real quick, I'm, uh, I just realized I should make a running tally of the content warnings for this episode. Yes, absolutely. uh, uh, so, uh, uh, yes, uh, I just had to, I went, oh, yep, let me, uh, let me start that tally now before we get started. Cool, great, awesome, thank you. Uh-huh, yes. Content warning. All of them. It's, All it's, of them. It's a horror. Yes. It, uh, yeah. Um, then we see the girl from the bedroom earlier. She's crying. Uh, she was friends with Fujino. And we see her uh, at the funeral, and she speaks at the service. Her name is Kizuko. And we see that there are a bunch of men outside raging over Fujino's death uh, because she was an idol. She wasn't like just in the entertainment industry. She was an idol. Um, Honestly, that was very upsetting. Like just to see this horde of people freaking out. Uh, Fun fact, when I moved to L.A., I had agoraphobia for about a year and a half and had trouble going outside. Uh, Because, yeah, just like the massive swarms of people is terrifying. Mm hmm. I feel like weird. I got that around three years ago. I I don't understand why. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there are a lot of like little elements in the episodes that are like, this isn't the main focus, but this will make you uncomfortable for real. Uh, Tapping on a window, immediately scary because, you know, if a window's on any floor besides ground floor, nothing should tap on it. 
True. This isn't Calista uh, explains at all. Sam's not going to come through with a ladder and climb into your room and hang out on the windowsill. <laughs> Shout out to my 30-year-olds. Uh, my fresh, my freshman dorm in Boston was on the 14th floor, and we always decided we would never bother to like lock the windows because we were like, hey, hey, if you break in through the windows on the 14th floor, you deserve whatever you get. <laughs> you so. This offer this. This is an open offer to all thieves. Try to scale it. There's a prize waiting for you. <laughs> a diamond. <laughs> um, then we see a group of girls at school. Kizuko is in the group. It's a group of friends. One of the girls is crying, and the other, another asks Kizuko why she thinks that Fujino did it. And they speculate it was because of the pressure of being an idol. Hence the crazy men outside the funeral. Um, and then they overhear a boy from their school arguing with a bunch of guys. Uh, and he was supposedly Fujino's boyfriend, and these guys were her fans. And they accuse him of being at fault for Fujino's suicide. Um, so the girls, very brave, go up to them, and Kizuko threatens to call the police. I was like, this feels unrealistic. <laughs> a group of high school go- girls going up to a group of raging grown men? It couldn't be me. Dude, that's unrealistic. Now, I got some bad news for you. Yeah. Um, so the guys run off, and Kizuko asks if the boy is okay, and he gets it in his head that it was his fault, and he starts crying. Um, then we get a quick clip to the back of the beginning of the episode, the knocking at the window. Then we see another news broadcast of people discussing that many young people are now hanging themselves, and others are claiming to have seen Fujino's ghost. Um, a couple of guys on the news broadcast say that they saw her floating above some trees at a park, but it was just her head, like huge. Uh, and many people think that they've seen the same thing, but at this point there's no evidence of it. So yeah. Um, another show is interviewing a psychologist and he thinks these claims of seeing a ghost in public is just the missing of a public figure. Um, another show shows off a sketch of what they think the ghost could be like. Uh, and Kizuko turns off the TV and her brother complains. He's like, hey, I was watching that. Um, and she walks Hey, I away. know your friend died, but I want to hear the gossip about it. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Uh, and he turns it on again as soon as she walks away. Um, back at school, some guys are looking at a magazine or something that has a photograph of the ghost. Kizuko's walking through the halls and hears other people talking about it. And she goes up to the alleged boyfriend from earlier, and she says that it seems like everyone forgot that Fujino died, and now everyone just wants to talk about this ghost sighting. But he immediately says, I see it too in my yard, and you probably think I'm lying. And she's like, you probably just need some rest. And he says, I'll call you the next time it happens. So that night, the phone rings. Her brother brings brings her the phone and says, oh, a boy is calling you. Um... And it's the boy, boyfriend. He says that Fujino's ghost uh, is near this, like, temple, and he tells her where he is. And so she rushes there, but he's not in the phone booth anymore. But she does look up and see the f- and sees the floating head, which its neck is, like, torn. Um, that becomes relevant. <laughs> um, and she follows the head as it floats away from her. And she watches from behind a tree as the boyfriend stands in another tree, reaching for this floating head. 
and he's yelling and crying. And as he leans forward, a noose appears in front of him and he leans right into it. And Kizuko calls out for him to get down, but he slips and is hanged. Rip to that guy. Rip. Um, And as she watches, another enlarged head drifts out from the leaves. And it's this guy's head, which the noose is connected to. So uh, because Fujino's body was like still hanging out of her bedroom window, her body somehow got torn away from this enlarged version of her head. So now the head is just floating around free. It got caught in the power lines. Yeah. Um, so the boy's head moves toward the Fujino head and they like bump into each other over and over again, kind of kissing and his dead body flails around as they do so. And this was the first thing that I was like, this is unsettling. Mm-hmm. Upsetting, this is but also bad the, to watch. The balloon kissing was made me think of like two dolls going, like, and now you're married. Because <laughs> yes. they're just <laughs> bumping into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably like I mean, there are plenty more in what we watch, but like the peak example of the type of horror of I'm just standing here watching two balloon ghost heads kiss while a dangling corpse just dances under one of them yes and it's just like okay i'm not in any danger i personally could walk away but what the fuck right yeah. what is this <laughs> hey uh, hang on someone else surely has seen this right i'm not just gonna have this in my dreams forever <laughs> no just me okay sick <laughs> great also the like sounds of the kissing just they do sound like balloons it's like, boom, mm-hmm. boom. um so kizuko screams rightfully so Um, another day she's walking down the street with her friends and they're telling her that she thinks she's, they think that she's probably just freaking out. Um, and it kind of sounds too ridiculous to be true, but Kizuko is convinced that his body is still out there somewhere being dragged around by this floating head. Just then they all look up in the sky and they see some shapes and upon closer inspection, their heads with nooses hanging from them. And as they float down closer, they're their heads. Oh. Uh-oh. Seems bad. <laughs> I, this little segment is is where it started to lose me <laughs> just a little bit. Because, like, the tone for all, most of this show is very good. Uh-huh. It is so hard to do this and not be goofy. Oh, yes. God, it was so hard. Yeah. There were a couple moments in this episode where I did just laugh because it's like... Uh, all right. Oh, okay. So you just, you kind of just get scooped up. Didn't fight at all. All right, cool. Great. Yeah. I'll, we'll get to this one specific. <laughs> yeah. One. yeah. Really got me, but. <laughs> um, so two of the girls are just swooped up. Um, they didn't even run away. Um, they immediately get got. Kizuko and another friend run into an alley to try to escape the heads. And the heads are just floating at the entrance. They can't get in. Um, Her friend asks why this is happening. Kizuko doesn't know. They haven't done anything wrong. What's going on? Um, And to describe the heads, they just look like the people, but they have yellow bags under their eyes, and the skin is kind of miscolored, this sickly green, and they have this big open-mouthed smile. It's icky and scary to look at, because, you know. It's almost like sickly caricature. Yes. Running a lot of uh, Gravity Falls episode. When uh, Stan makes a giant oh, yeah. <laughs> and it like falls down burning saying, I eat kids. Yes. 
Mommy, is that head going to eat us? Yes, Trevor. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, so a guy hears them screaming for help and he opens a window into the alley and he sees the heads. He's like, hold on, I got this. And he brings out a gun and he shoots the head of Kizuko's friend, the balloon, and it starts deflating. The Kizuko head just floats away and they're like, we've solved it. We did it. But then Kizuko's real friend's head starts to deflate and it's disgusting. It's bad. Real bad. Her eyes are have fallen out of her head. It's icky. I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, that dude just happens to have a crossbow? How convenient. Oh, God, her head. Oh, God, her head is melting. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Well. Oh, some deus ex machina. Just uh, You just happened to get rid of balloons. Uh, oh, no, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> um. So Kizuko runs away, and we get a shot of a bunch of heads floating with the bodies hanging from them. And she goes home and sees her family's heads are there, too, along with hers. And now there are just loads of heads hanging low in the sky with the bodies hanging from them. Um, We see a whole lot of news... uh, No. We see a news broadcast showing a whole lot of heads with bodies hanging from them just all over Japan. It's very, like, visually striking. Um... This is the part that's really goofy. <laughs> it feels like a SpongeBob bit. Uh, it truly this, does. <laughs> this field reporter is talking about the heads. Don't know why he's just out there unprotected. Um, and he says, oh, no, that head looks like mine. Oh, it's coming right for me. Oh, uh, and then he gets, hung, he gets hanged. <laughs> it's really committed um, to reporting. Really committed to journalism. Yes. <laughs> So that was that was the biggest moment for me that I was like, that's come on. <laughs> um, there are more news broadcasts telling people not to go outside or harm the heads as it harms the real heads of the people they belong to. Um, Kizuko's family is watching and her father says he still has to go to work and that he'll be okay. He just has to make it to the car. So he runs out of the house and he has his arms crossed uh, and this reminded me of Phantom of the Opera because they say keep your hand at the level of your eyes so the Phantom can't hang you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he tries to do that, keeping his hands at the levels of his, level of his eyes so like when the noose comes down, it can't get his neck. Um, but it doesn't work. His head still gets him and now he's just kind of up there hanging. This is, um, where, this is where it got silly for me because imagining running outside to a certain death so you can go to work, couldn't be me. Ridiculous. <laughs> Unheard of. Come on, that's so unrealistic. I mean, I, I, I don't. I think that kind of broke the reality for me. <laughs> <sighs> uh, it's not like we saw millions of people forced to work during a mascot people. Anyway, um, so the family watches this happen. Kizuko and her mother start crying, and her brother just yells at them. Their heads are still just out there. Uh, we don't know how much time passes, but Kizuko's brother gets really upset, saying that they have to eat, and he's like, I'll be back soon. I won't go down without a fight. I'm gonna go get us some food. It'll be fine, I'm sure. He uh, goes outside, and his head goes straight for him, but he throws an umbrella in the noose, which seems to buy him some time. And this is the first time you see a head make any other expression than the big open mouth smile. It frowns at him, and it's very also unsettling, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Wait, they weren't mad at me before? Oh no, this is worse. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so the brother like runs down the street, and the head goes after him. Um, again, we don't know how much time passes, but the brother hasn't come back, and 
uh, Kizuko's mother just walks outside and gets scooped up by her balloon. Uh, and now we're caught up to Kizuko in her bedroom and the knocking and I presumably her own voice. I couldn't quite tell if it was the same. Probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, knocking, trying to open, get her to open her window. And it complains how she's the only one who's still being stubborn about this. And then she hears her brother's voice and she never saw him die. So maybe he's still okay. Um, so he tells her to come over. She opens up the window but it's just his body hanging there and his head is the one talking. Um, Which again, this is the first time you see it do anything other than just have a static expression. Um, And her head floats over and she's presented with the noose and that's how it ends. I know. That's episode three. I know it had to end, but like she had the curtains drawn and the window shut. You think she would have opened the curtains and stopped and saw that (laughs) it was his dead body? Like, yeah, but it's it was, like, at that point, she probably was not doing well mentally. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that's what I kind of figured, but it's just kind of like, did you really get tricked by that? <laughs> like, <laughs> or were you just accepting your fate? See, I thought she was going to, like, run to the door and be like, oh, obviously he's at a different place than the window that yeah. the yeah. balloons were talking to me from. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Quick, I brought in food. I'm floating outside your window. Open the door. <laughs> I thought they would have got, like, they would have leveraged his body against the window to break it and then gone in that way or, like, through the vents or something. Like, mm. not just say, hey, open the window. They're anyway. not smart enough for that. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, this story is what the Pokemon Trifloom is based off of. That Pokemon's upsetting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not actually, but the Pokedex does say Trifloom yeah. carries children away, so... Uh, ghost Pokemon, they're bad. Uh, skip ahead, as is tradition, episode six. Uh, and we start off uh, in black and white, and we hear a man uh, complaining as he's opening up a gate to a house, get, saying he just got back to Japan, and he's just getting back to his home for the first time in a year, so he's been away traveling. He's a businessman. I assume he has a child, and it, that child is the protagonist of their own anime. Um, and he's saying he's... He's all pissed off and he's disgusted because he had, uh, while he's been away traveling for a year, he's been leasing his house out to his old middle school teacher and his family. He's been li- they've been living there and he's not happy about it. He told them not to change anything. It's got to be the exact same way he left it a year ago. And as he enters the house, he finds it stinks. There's a disgusting smell. As he's running through the house trying to find out where it's coming from, he sees the kitchen, dining room area is all scattered and just, like messed up and. Uh, plates and food scattered on the ground on the ground and he opens up the fridge and he sees all the food in there it's just been rotten completely like, almost like it's been rotten for a year like it's just fully molded out uh and he barfs as he runs into the bathroom and uh again bathroom's also disgusting very mm-hmm. uh cluttered and dirty and he pulls the cover off of the tub and he sees it's just deep with this like really thick mold that kind of has like Sort of, sort of spirals going around on the top of the water. A la Uzumaki, huh? This one's very icky. It's a yep. gross one. But I was interested in it. <laughs> like, I, I had to know. this episode called Mold, and I was like, oh, I gotta pick that one. <laughs> uh, spoilers for Resident Evil 7. It's basically yeah. this. <laughs> um, spoilers for The Last of Us. It's basically yeah. this. <laughs> uh, so he... Uh, Here's his little brother calling to him from outside the house. 
So the man runs over and opens up the door demanding an explanation because uh, uh, his little brother starts apologizing. And the man asks, he's like, is this revenge for not wanting to, you know, me not wanting to let them lease out the house? Is it their way of paying me back by, you know, destroying my house? And little brother says, like, sorry, I'll, I'll take responsibility for this. I'll, you know, fix it up. Don't worry about it. Uh, let me go find your dog. It's like, what? Uh, and the little brother runs off. I forgot about the dog. I'm glad we didn't see anything happen to the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just really comes out of nowhere. So I wasn't sure why it was addressed or brought up. Yeah. Um, and we see the big brother start cleaning, uh, cleaning his house. And then we get a flashback to a year ago with the man on the call with his little brother uh, saying that uh, his little brother saying he should offer his house to their middle school teacher because he needs a place to stay with his family and his brother's going to be gone for a year. So it's not like he's using it. And the brother's pissed off being like, I built this house. It's my house. No, why should I? And the brother's like, don't worry. I'll have him come over, you know, in, you know, this afternoon to, you know, interview and, you know, so you can get a feel for him. He's like, what? I didn't agree to that. And little brother hangs up. So little brother, really pushy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the one that made this happen. Yeah. I, I still have some outstanding homework from middle school. I really need you to do a solid for me. I didn't do that book report. You gotta help me out. You gotta help me. I crave the validation of authority <laughs> figures. I'm sorry. <laughs> he said he'd break my thumbs and my thumbs if I didn't learn logarithms by Thursday. <laughs> You're 30 years old. Fight him. <laughs> um, so the little brother shows up with Mr. Rogi and his family and... Again, Jinji Ito style, his family is immediately upsetting to look at. They all have, mm-hmm. like, his same face. And it's just, like, it's not monstery, but it is just, like, asymmetrical. And just, like, there, there's something not right with this guy immediately. Mm. Uh, These are not the people I want in my home while I'm away. Yeah. yeah. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we see, like, the dog outside barking. uh they're like kind of interviewing, be like, "Oh, thank you so much for letting us uh, stay in your house." And Big Brother's like, "Well, hey, well, hold on now. I didn't agree to it right away. Like, let's, you know, hold on now." And um, we see um, Mr. Rogie starts like begging him, like, "Please, we have nowhere else to go right now. I'm staying with relatives, but like, even that's temporary, and we have no other options. And you know, we really need this." And while he's begging, the daughter also starts acting up, like, "Daddy, I really like this house. Can we stay here? I want to live in this big house, Daddy." But his delivers it kind of like that very stagnant and like mm-hmm. clearly faking it yeah like, this kid ain't right um and the little brother's like come on you gotta help him out and uh, he looks at the wife with like the baby and he's like you got you know they got a kid they got you know young kid and the big brother's like ah, all right and reluctantly agrees to it uh bringing yeah. us back to present day notably the baby starts crying and i think the brother like leans to look at the baby and the mother like physically moves the baby away from being seen by the brother yeah it keeps it like swaddled up yeah so we know there's something wrong with that baby (laughs) my baby's deeply ugly please no (laughs) please you see the rest of us (laughs) you can only imagine i need a big house please i spare your eyes from my ugly baby (laughs) i need to i need to hide this baby from the world please um and this is when we also i we've talked about this in a different show or maybe it was like perfect blue but like this anxiety of a lot of things happening at once so there's like or a lot of noise so there's like the little girl saying i want to stay here daddy Mm -hmm. there's the baby crying and then there's the dog barking and it's another one of those little things i feel like that's just in there to make you feel yeah bad the like Mm -hmm. sensory overload yes Uh, music and like sound cues and stuff always get 
do that for me because they're always so subtle. Like, even mm-hmm. if it's just a pitch, like, steadily increasing, like, you don't realize it at the time. Like, yeah. God, why is my heart racing? And it's like, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and this is when we find out the brother's names for the first time, like, halfway through this part. <laughs> um, but Mr. Rogi asks uh, Akasaka, who's the older brother, uh, to reconsider, and he does, which is where we get to present day, with Akasaka waking up in his own house again, and the walls, he cleaned the house as much as he could the night before. But now the walls are just covered with mold Mm -hmm. and everything looks a bit fuzzy there's just texture on everything Mm. Uh, because it's all black and white it's hard to like gauge too well so it's just textures and he goes to like open a one door and a door's jammed and it's not working and akasaka calls his brother over and he meets him in the doorway again of the house and akasaka says like stuff's you know he asks, where's rogi i can't find anyone anywhere in this house like they're not here and they trash my house uh and he says um uh, little brother says he doesn't know because the new house Rogi's family was supposed to be in isn't there. It's just a burnt down field. It's nothing. So Akasaka asks uh, Seiji, his little brother, uh, like, what's going on? This house is getting weirder. I can't open some of the doors. There's mold growing all over it more and more each day. Like, what's happening? And Seiji says, like, you can't, don't stay in the house. You can't stay in the house. Like, get out of there. And Akasaka, like, grabs him and pulls him into the house for the first time. Uh, Seiji's ever entered the house. He's always stood in the doorway talking to him up till now. Mm-hmm. And I ask him, he pulls him in and be like, what are you talking about? What are you hiding from me? Like, what What do you know that you're not telling me? And Seiji freaks out and like scurries back out of the house as fast as he can. And he says this, this house is too similar to him. And uh, right when he says that, uh, Akasaka asks, who's, who's Seiji talking about? And Seiji confesses that uh, the house is too similar to the baby. <gasps> Bad time. Uh, <sighs> We get a flashback to Seiji stopping by on the house last year sometime, checking on the Roji family, and he, uh, as he opens the door, he sees the baby just crawling around, and yeah, that's a moldy baby. That baby uh, is covered in mold. A little <laughs> Swamp Thing Jr. And covered? I think it is mold. Ah. I can't really discern where the baby is in this. It's just moldy Tommy Pickles. Um, <laughs> and we see the baby like crawling to the daughter, and as the camera pans out, we see also the daughter's like skin is becoming moldy as well, like getting those textures. This texture on these human <laughs> beings made me feel very bad. <laughs> and it's exactly what I expected from the mold episode, and I say it delivered absolutely. <laughs> it lived up to its promise, and I hate it. Yep. Uh, so we cut back uh, to present day, and Seiji says he can't stay here. And he asks Akis Hagen to stay with him for a bit, like he can stay at his place. Uh, and Seiji leaves, and Akasaka goes back inside. Uh, and I think time advances, but it's not super clear. Uh, mm-hmm. But now the house is covered with these thick vines, almost. They almost look like pipes, with just yeah. this black sludge pouring out of them. And Akasaka's, like, stumbling around inside the house, and he, like, touches one, and it sprays out the sludge and gets on his face. Ugh. And he goes to open one of the doors, and the door just collapses into mold fully. Uh, and Akasaka finds the bodies of the Rochi family. They're all there, except the baby. And Ugh. now we see Akasaka's skin is getting like slimy, and he's saying it's really oh. itchy, and he's he's scratching on himself, and you see it just kind of tearing away like mold. And then it fades out, and we come back to a projector doing like a little countdown, and we cut to a little kid in the library, and we all have color now. I guess that's the end of the mold story. <laughs> I feel like that's how that's how a lot of these end. It's just like this ambiguous, like you know what happens next, and yeah. that's. I learned that that comes from the the monkey's paw story, where it's like, uh, 
leave the audience imagining the horror because anything they imagine is worse. probably worse than anything you can think of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this was bad. <laughs> like, very much thanks, I hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was mostly surprised because I was not expecting a part, a different story in the middle of this episode. So I was like, what happened? Where are we? Um, so yes, uh, we're in a different segment now. And it's a little kid in a library. And he's staring out at a window uh, at the full moon. And we see this lull, th- tall, thin, like gangly monster in front of him uh, in like silhouette. Cut two years from now. And the kid is grown up now, still in the same house. Just books covering all of the walls in every room everywhere. The whole mm-hmm. house is a library. Uh, and it's this big black like mansion looking house, like pitch black in like an autumn forest. So it really sticks out like a sort of thumb. Uh, and then uh, he drops his glasses and steps on them. Uh, he's uh, like, there was so much time. so much time. And then his eyes fall out. And he's like, no. Nah, and then his hands fall off. No. Nah. And it's like, this is so derivative. Like, come <laughs> on. There's only one story. Um, so he's run- we see he's older now. He's a young man, teen, something around there. Uh, he's running around his giant house library uh, asking Kogo, his wife, for the sake of this recap, yeah, uh, she calls ask, him darling, sure. Sure. He's asking where one of the books are. Uh, he's asking about a specific book. I didn't write the name down, but it was his mother's favorite book. And he needs to know where it is, because it's missing. And it's like Renee of the North Wind. Something yeah, like something that. Like yeah. that. And she says, like, oh, Goro. Ah, that's his name. Wink. Uh, she says, uh, I was reading it. Like, I, I took it off the shelf to borrow it. And he starts yelling at her, berating her, saying, like, there's no reason I should ever not know where all my books are at all times. You can't move them without my permission. I need to know where they are constantly. It's like, damn, how'd she get this far into the relationship before this happened? (laughs) Um, Please divorce me now. (laughs) And we see later uh, Goro's in, uh, just again, in a room filled with books everywhere. And he's writing at a desk. He's writing in his daily diary where he's, he recorded every day of his life for his entire life since he was four years old. And uh, his wife's asking about it. It's like, oh, am I in there? And he's like, yep, it's got everything in here. I've done it every single day. And then we cut again to a later time. And we see both of them are uh, sleeping in bed. Again, room filled to the broom with books. Even the headboard of the bed is a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wakes up screaming uh, in a night- saying he had a nightmare where he thought his books were disappearing and he couldn't stop them and it was it was the worst thing that could ever happen to him so just to be sure he runs back and checks on the you know, Renee of the Midwinter or whatever book uh, to make sure it's still there and he can't find it, it's missing again and Koga's like, you, I returned it you saw me return it, you documented that I returned it Like you were very thorough about returning it so it's there and he's like, well, it's not there now. And there's another book missing. What's happening? My books are starting to disappear. And he's freaking out and, you know, losing his mind, saying, like, he, all of the books have to be accounted for, and he must know the contents of all the books by sunrise every morning. And uh, he says, yeah, Renee of the Midwinter was, like, his mother's favorite book, and another book that was missing is, like, Carloth of the Thorn Valley, something like that, something with thorns. <laughs> um, and he said that was his father's favorite book. And you can hear there's, like, resentment when he says, like, his father. And he kind of hated his father. Hmm. Um, it's almost hmm. like he has issues. <laughs> In a Junji Ito story? Never. Never. And we see hmm. him. With all these mommy problems, is one of these books by Freud? <laughs> <laughs> and we see him coming through all of his books, searching, saying, like, frankly, like, he's got to find his books. They keep escaping. He can't, you know, he can't lose any of them. 
and we see Kogo just like sit at his desk and start reading his diary, I guess, trying to piece together what the hell's happening with them. Uh, and then we hear the doorbell ring, and we see uh, Goro go to answer it. And uh, when he answers it, uh, we cut to him just outside by himself. Uh, and Kogo comes up and is like, oh, who was at the door? He said, oh, it was my missing book. You know, Renee of the Midwinter. It's like, oh, you found the book? It's like, no, it was my book. It was like a personification of my book. And she was beautiful. She had like a beautiful, you know, white hair and like a porcelain face. And like the shot we see has like deep, like dark veins, like straining out of the neck coming from behind mm-hmm. the mask. So clearly not that beautiful. Um, <laughs> and he says she recited the entire book to him, like, you know, right in front of him. So he knows it was the book itself and not like a person. Uh, and Kogo says, like, oh, boy, that's some dream. He's like, oh, it's no dream. She's standing right by, you know, right beside you. And it's like, okay. Goro's oh, man. Losing it. And He's a nerd and crazy. Oh. <laughs> you can never find any good guys in the city. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're out in the countryside. They're, yeah, I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> Marry a Harvard boy, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Nerds don't do anything, they say. Um I don't know what the shining is that I said. Um, <laughs> so we see later uh, Goro again, just like in one of his library rooms, in the field position in the corner, covered in blankets, uh, like shaking and crying, saying his dad's favorite book uh, has to be returned to. And he's scared of that one. That one always terrified him. Um, and when he's talking about this, we see again, uh, kind of like a flashback or something. It's, it's all very jumbled around and jump around like scene to scene. Um, but it's the long, thin, gangly monster we saw at, he saw as a child in front of the moon mm-hmm. so it's that one so that's his father's uh, and it terrifies him he hates that book and he fears that it'll return um so he stays in that one spot like by a window just huddled in a corner and we see that like the window opens and we see this different from the two apparitions we've seen so far this like spindly old man with like a long chin and nose and kind of sh- crazy hair mm. like a like a goblin or like a gnome or something very like stretched out uh and yeah almost like leprechaun a little <laughs> bit imagine like an but eight, too tall yeah an eight foot tall th- slender man leprechaun <laughs> and he like floats in through the window in front of uh goro and as soon as he sees that understandably starts screaming goro freaks out and koga like wakes up next to him like what happened what's going on and uh she goes to touch him and goro freaks out and jumps up and starts reciting the book from memory like what was in the book mm-hmm. and as he's saying that we see just like scars and scratches appearing all over his body getting like deeper and deeper as he's reciting it um he's freaking out and uh then at his desk we see him saying he finally eradicated his father's favorite book the chromanthe of the thorns or whatever the thorns scratches ah mm. all pieces together and uh we see goro alone yelling saying that he has to memorize all the uh, he can't find his mother's book still, so he has to commit it to memory. He has to memorize that book um, because uh, her figure hasn't appeared again. So he wants to see her again. Uh, so he's going to try and memorize her book. And then he vows, uh, when that doesn't work, he vows he has to memorize every book in his entire house. And he has to uh, you know, memorize all the contents word for word. And we see some time has passed, all the scratches he had heals. And he tells uh, Kogo uh, not to get in his way as he starts trying to memorize it. Uh, but he's reaching brain capacity. He can't fit it all. He's it's too many books. <laughs> and he says the books are starting to replace some of his own memories. And he starts reciting some of the lines from the books and are crossing over with some of his own thoughts. And we see his diary that he had written is like at his feet. 
So he read that as well, so he can't he can no longer discern his own memories. And he hears Kogo's voice and he reaches out to her, uh, thinking it's the you know, apparition of his mother's book, Renee of the Midwinter. As he does, he knocks over the gas lantern he ha- he was reading by. And of course, the house is full of books. You had open flame. The house catches fire, it all burns down. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the city where we see a hospital. And we see that spindly old man inside a hospital room talking to himself. And he's got three books on the bed. And the dub was kind enough not to subtitle what those books were. So I don't know what they are. You can't guess? I can uh, guess. I just wasn't sure. One, one is Renee of the Winter Wind. I think yeah. it actually was. Oh. Uh, one is the Hell Book. Hell and book? one is called Coco's Maple Leaves. Oh, okay. So. She was a book the whole time. Ah. Ah. Oh, I got it now. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get that <laughs> because I didn't know what the third, I didn't know what his book was. Uh, yeah. Okay. That actually doesn't make more sense. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> we see the three books on the bed and then we see the spindly old man crawl out of the window of the hospital. Uh, and then we cut to uh, out by the mansion by like a lake with all the autumn leaves around. It's pretty. And it's Renee of the Winter holding hands with the little kid uh, from the fir- from the very beginning, Goro. That's the end of episode six, and I'm confused. <laughs> well, you did a good job recapping it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I had this revelation as you were saying it. One sec, I'm going to clear my throat. Okay. Muted it for all of you. <laughs> edit that out. Thank you. Okay. Um. I had the revelation, uh, I think what happened was when he was told, you have to memorize all of these books every night, and then he was like, hmm, I, I'm memorizing all these books, I'm forgetting my own story. And he starts forgetting what is the story of his life, so he forgot his own book, and that's why he got hurt. Ooh, that, Ooh. that's my theory. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought it was like a loop. Like the kid's born again, he becomes the crazy old man, he breaks out of the hospital and then goes back and just cyclical shit. Yeah, I feel like what we saw is probably what this old man remembers. Mm. So it's like just this jumbled mess, which would make you confused. That's my theory. It was mm-hmm. not straightforward, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get the mold one. The mold one I get. <laughs> mold. The mold so, I can understand. Mold, I get mold. The lesson there is, hey, mold's grossed. Don't. Hey, <laughs> never trust a family to live in your house. <laughs> Don't trust babies. Yeah, yeah remember the go. Fourth Amendment. Don't let anyone into your house. Uh, <laughs> it is your right. Uh, uh, so, uh, episode nine. Uh, uh, we are, we're introduced to our main character, Izumi Sawa. Uh uh, she's in the photo club at her high school, and as a side business, because she acknowledges she's a little bit sketchy, uh, she is selling photos of people's crushes to them for cash. Wow. Because she gets to go like, ooh, photo for yearbook, and then she's just taking glamour shots of people's crushes who will pay a premium. I mean, hey, yeah, if they're willing to pay it, it's on them, not her. <laughs> This is a capitalist country, baby. We, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just hustling. There's no ethical consumption under photography. <laughs> so buy um, these images of these boys. <laughs> um, so uh, she sees 
uh, the boy that she has a crush on, Ooh. Yamazaki. Ooh. And she's like, ooh, can I, like, take your picture or whatever? <laughs> Not for creepy reasons. I just have a crush. Um, and then they see, watching them from the alleyway, is uh, the the new girl, uh, uh, Tomie. Mm-hmm. I... I had to take a moment to be like Tomie. It's not Tomi. Yeah. Tomie. I was calling her Tome Tomi before today and I was like, oh, Japanese, it's probably Tomie. Mm-hmm. You said new girl and I thought Zoe De Chanel. Who's that girl? <laughs> it is. Uh uh, we'll see why. The comparisons become very similar. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, sir. <laughs> Uh, so they're like, oh, the new girl, what's she doing? She's on the disciplinary club. Ooh, kinky. Um, <laughs> so, uh, she's selling more photos later on. She's selling the more popular boys at a premium. And Tomie, uh, catches her and is like, hey, you're selling these. That's illegal. You're doing crimes. You're doing school crimes. Uh, and confiscates the pictures from her bag and is like, hey, I'm going to do you solid. I'm not going to tell the teachers, but I'm going to take these pictures. Mm-hmm. The disciplinary committee literally exists to tell teachers. Like, why would you ever believe someone? <laughs> the snitch squad. Yeah. Don't worry. She's, I'm cool. She's no. a glorified hall monitor. Um, so, uh... Izumi Sawa is talking with her friends and is like, oh, she's she's the worst. She's, like, ugly and no one likes her. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, hey, uh, maybe don't believe her about uh, not telling someone because there's a rumor that Tomie snitched on this recently suspended girl. So uh, watch out. And uh, she's like, ah, don't worry. I'll I'm tougher than her. I'll kick her butt. Uh, is just overconfident. So Yamazaki finds her and he's like, hey, can you like do me a favor? I know you do these picture things. And she's like, oh, do you want me to uh, put like a bunch of hearts around us because I'm so in love with you? Uh, <laughs> and she's like, and he's like, no, can you go take pictures of Tomie for me? Oh. And she's like, oh, 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 my crush asking me to take pictures of my enemy. One of the uh, chances. Uh, so she goes and takes some creeper shots, uh, hiding behind a big statue. Uh, but hiding oh is no. a generous word. Yeah, she's <laughs> standing about ten feet behind her. Yeah. No one else around. Clearly, you could hear the click of the camera. That's Nothing else is going on. Um, but yeah, she takes a picture, and oh no, Tomie turns around immediately and catches her. Um. But she's like, oh, I know what you're doing, but I don't mind. Hey, can you take pictures of me? And starts doing, like, a photo shoot. Being like, hey, actually, she's into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Tomie's like, back up, back up, get get more room. Uh, so uh, uh, she's walking backwards, and, oh, she bumps into a teacher. Uh, oh, what a coincidence. He would be here right now. Oh, man. Um, snitch. Yeah, so <laughs> caught absolutely red-handed. As she was caught, uh, uh, Tomie was asking about prices to make sure she was talking about stuff. So Tomie tells the teacher as he's walking away, like, yeah, good job. So uh, Izumi Sawa is questioning, wait, did my crush set me up? That That's 
bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's like, oh, whatever. And uh, she's home. Her mom brings her newly developed photos. And they were the pics of Tomie. So uh, she starts going through them and she starts seeing ghostly images. <sighs> Almost as if this is a horror show of some kind. <gasps> Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's just, like, faces trying to, like, crawl out of the back of her head, like, eyes coming out of her scalp and stuff. Mm-hmm. Crawling in my skin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, taking all these pictures, uh, for revenge, uh, she's gonna spread these pictures all over the school. Uh, Tomie suggested it kind of offhandedly uh, while doing the photo shoot. And she's like, oh, now that I know your secret, I'm going to spread all these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this was like the double bluff of like, she wanted this to happen. And I thought the pictures would make people go crazy or something seeing them. Because it's like, hey, if you know you got that, why would you tell someone to spread those pictures around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, seeing it, uh, Tomie comes in and sees all these grotesque pictures of her. And she's like, all right. I need my loyal army of tattletale boys to do me a favor. (laughs) Um, So Yamazaki, the crush, comes in and tells uh, Izumi Sawa, hey, um, there's some boys after you. Did you spread all those photos around? That's kind of fucked up. But you're in danger. Uh, They weren't like, hey, let's tell on you. They were like, hey, let's kill you. We've jumped straight to murder. (laughs) No questions asked. Mm-mm. We jumped several levels of escalation, and I don't quite know how we got here, but it's time to leave. <laughs> uh, so they go and hide in the one place they would never think to look for the photo club girl. <laughs> in the photo room. Uh. <laughs> Who could have guessed? Um, so they're hiding in there, and uh, she's freaking out, and he's like, Oh my god, the discipline committee's gonna kill me! How undisciplinarian of them! <laughs> Uh, very disciplinary if you think about it. <laughs> mm. uh, but uh, she's like, yeah. Uh, uh, well, she turns away. They're like talking to each other, whatever. And he comes up behind her and starts strangling her because he's a balloon. Wait, no. Uh, sorry. Oh. Uh, wrong story. Uh, uh, so he tries to start strangling her and he's like, hey. Tomie's the love of my life. How could you do that to her? How could you spread all those awful pictures? Uh, but uh, she like splashes the uh, development chemicals in his face and runs away. Youch. I know yeah. he's actively murdering her, which isn't great. Um, but he also says, you're not my type, which is just some real petty shit. Yeah. You don't need to say to someone <laughs> as you kill them. Like, you know, uh, come on. Really twisting the proverbial knife. <laughs> no, you didn't, didn't need to. <laughs> On top of the physical pain, I just need you to have the emotional pain of your crush thinks you're ugly. Yes. So, uh, so uh, she goes home. Mom comes home and scolds her for getting suspended. But, of course, she's like catatonic because she almost got murdered. And her mom is like, I'm going and staying at dad's house. I'm so <laughs> disappointed in you. Yeah, um, I wrote that down too. She says, when your father gets back from his trip, like he'll hear about this, I'm leaving for a week with a, on a trip with your father. I'm like, where is the father? 
Yeah, yeah your assumed... father is away on a business trip, and I'm staying with him. Yeah, yeah I guess she's like, I can't even look at you right now. I'm going to go on a business trip with your dad. <laughs> um, so she leaves, and uh, uh, she sees there's there's boys outside of the house. <gasps> and Tomie's already inside. Ooh. Oh, no. Uh, so Tomie goes into her room, and of course she's like, hey, fuck off, you're trying to kill me. Tomie's like, oh, that's, you heard a rumor out of context, sweetie. Uh, gaslighting, never heard of it. Um, <laughs> that's not the main thing. girl is the girl boss and the gatekeep, and Tomie is the gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but she's like, oh, we could be such friends. Oh my god. Wait, you like photography? That's like crazy. I didn't know that about you. Uh, so, uh, uh, there's a bunch of pictures of, like, Spain and, uh, the Sagrada Familia and stuff, and she's like, yeah, well, I, like, knew Picasso and uh, all these famous artists, and, uh, and main girl's like, what the fuck are you talking what the fuck are you talking about? That can't be true. <laughs> I knew a dude like this in college, and it was actually terrifying of how clearly unhinged he was and disconnected from reality and could just yeah. lie. Like so how much easy. they believe themselves. He said he was like the American Idol version winner of in like in Turkey. I'm like, okay. no, that's objectively not true, and I can look it up right now. Like, yeah, it was just insane how naturally it flowed and how insane the lies were. Also, a <sighs> scary part. Good work, Edo. Hey. <laughs> um so uh so uh she says, Hey, you're a pathical pathological liar, you're a monster and Tomie's like, Did you call me a monster? Uh-huh. And she starts freaking out and the eyes open on her scalp and uh the boys outside hear the rustle and they run inside and they see the side face coming out of Tomie's head. Ah. Uh and she's like, oh, the growth, chop it off, please get rid of it, quickly. Uh, so they're like, of course, we love you, we're obsessed with you. Um, and they take an axe, uh, and they tie up uh, uh, main girl, whatever her name was. <laughs> we're almost to the end, I don't have to remember it from her <laughs> We don't care about Tommy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they start chopping off this bad growth of a face. But, oh man, they went a little too hard, and they just completely decapitate her. Oh man, what a bummer. Oh, I hate when that the happens. Shock? I saw it with the severed head, I'm like, yo, you messed <laughs> up real bad. Because <laughs> we see, like, the severed body with no head on it, and they're like, I think we got it. <laughs> so no head? <laughs> it's like, yeah, bud, I think you did. <laughs> um, But, we, uh, they... They tie up main girl, so she's just watching this, and they're like, uh, good thing it's just the two of us, uh, right? Or else we'd have to kill a witness or something. Wait. Uh, <laughs> I think we have to kill a witness. Um, a genuine, you what? <laughs> uh, so they turn to her, and they're like, hey, what'd you see? And she's like, I didn't see anything. But then, Tomie's head starts saying, or Tomie's monster head mm-hmm. starts saying, Oh, the growth, get it off of me, quick! Oh, that monstrous thing before it spreads! And then they are like, Oh, cool, she's still alive. Well, the head is what we needed, so they put it in a plastic bag and walk away. <laughs> hey. 
So the story's over, right? Uh, main girl, she's all she's all alone with a decapitated body. How will she explain this? <gasps> the body starts getting up and moving, and then a baby head starts coming out of the neck, <sighs> and then just starts laughing and walking away. And then Izumi Sawa stands up and was like, hmm, can't tell what was real, can't tell what was a dream. That was weird. Guess and then the episode ends. Yeah, she, she says, like, oh, man, my pictures are all messy. I got to clean this place up. It's like, yeah. yeah, is that the concern right now? Are you, do you need a cup of water? Our teens these days are so desensitized to violence. <laughs> Honestly, I was kind of laughing at the baby head. It's so weird and gremlin-y. It's, like, yeah. real golem It's like, what's happening? Like, it was so absurd at that point. I'm like, what's happening now? It wasn't yeah. scary anymore. Because it also seemed like it was having a good time. So I was like, all right, it's cool. It's vibing. It's laughing. Good for it's, you. Yeah. It was better than Tomie was. Yeah. <laughs> when I wanted, she- I picked this episode because I've heard of Tomie. Yeah. Uh, but this is not at all what I know of Tomie. <laughs> so hmm. I wanted to look it up to be sure that I wasn't going crazy and that maybe it was a different story <laughs> I was thinking of. And I don't know if this, because this one is called Tomie Photo. And Tomie is an entire manga series. So I don't know if Photo is like one story in the manga or if this is just something they made for this specific collection. But I know Tomie to be like a grown woman and... Here on the Wikipedia, it says Tomie acts like a succubus, possessing an undisclosed power to make any man fall in love with her. Through her mere presence or through psychological and emotional manipulation, she drives these people into jealous rages that often lead to brutal acts of violence. And then on top of that, she's like immortal. And the rules of this Tomie seem to be the same as the one in the manga, where like if she gets part of her cut off, another one of her will grow. And there's some other stuff where, like, if she were to have her organs transplanted into someone else, that someone else will become a Tomie. So there's just a bunch of Tomie around in the world. And, like, if you inject people with her blood, they become a Tomie. And, like, all of this really cool stuff that is just not in this episode (laughs) at all. (laughs) So... I think if you don't know anything about Tomie, this episode is pretty good. Like, it's spooky and weird, but it's just not at all what I was expecting. Yeah, I've seen images of Tomie before and assumed she was a pretty prolific uh, work in Chindito's collection and his works. But yeah, looking at it, there's like at least nine stories of her about her. So Yeah, and there are a bunch of live action movies based on Mm. Tomie, too. So that's more of what I was expecting. So I was like a little disappointed with this particular episode, but it was still like enjoyable. I guess it definitely does make more sense to be like, okay, this is kind of like a character and we're seeing a chapter of that yeah. rather than this is a standalone story. Ooh, a spooky girl who has a baby body. <laughs> I do wonder if this is one that's in the manga. I wonder why they chose this one specifically. Because I feel like the one that I know is there's like this old man who used to be a supermodel that Tomie did wrong. And he finds out that if you inject a baby with the blood of a Tomie that hasn't already replicated itself, the baby can age. So to get revenge on Tomie, he takes a baby 
and he just wants to see it age and get old, which is so great and interesting. Wait, <laughs> That's does it so age, cool. Does it age like in real time like a person, or does it become like an old baby, like a crusty old baby? No, I think it ages like a real person. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, she just Ooh, has all this This human super... will age in real time! Yeah. The horror! <laughs> she, she just has all this super cool lore that's just like barely part of this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> this... This episode definitely made me go, the hell's up with Tomie? Yeah, that's fair. Look it up. my curiosity. Yeah. See, like, I also looked it up uh, on my end, and there was, like, an image that came up on Google that I was definitely like, okay, so this is definitely, like, one of the more iconic, like, Junji Ito things, and it was the manga depiction of the photo. Yeah, Mm. the one with the two faces, where it's, like, more toward the front of her face. Yeah, that's but like, like the, the iconic Tomie yeah. picture. Yeah. yeah, but like the manga one was much more horrifying than the anime one to yeah. the point where the anime one is like, oh, so like the point of it is she's like absolutely monstrous and she's like a, a little ghostly in this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, at the end when she calls Tomie a liar and she starts freaking out and the second head emerges, I was like, ah. She's a two-faced liar. I get it now. Uh-huh. And then the head got chopped off, and then the baby body ran out. I was like, I don't get it anymore. I'm Never mind. Again. I uh, thought I got that. it. You got me again, Ido. You got me again. <laughs> How does the are. saying go? Liar, liar, pants for f- hire, decapitate uh, uh, <laughs> a disciplinary <laughs> scholar. Decapitate uh. me once. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. are we there yet? Yeah, I... I definitely had fun with this. I feel like this is one of the better horror series we've watched. Absolutely. Yeah, easily. Like, I feel like just having Junji Ito's work to base it on, like, there were definitely moments where you're like, ah, this was not written to be dialogue in an anime, where it's just, like, very choppy and, like, okay, they're very direct and succinct. This is, this should have been, like, a panel of a manga. So it's, mm-hmm. like, you can see those, like, medium uh, stressors there of, like, okay, this doesn't fully translate. And then seeing that the art is also kind of, like, toned down, I'm like, uh, all right. Well, I mean, it makes sense. One guy hand-drawing mm-hmm. in black and white is much easier to do than animation for monsters. So I get that. But I'm just like, okay. So it it's... A little bit defanged, uh, Hmm. but yeah, uh, there's spooky stuff, there's some fun, but uh, they don't expect me to remember any characters between episodes, so therefore, 10 out of 10. Yeah. (laughs) When you you look up the title on Google, something that comes up is a Kotaku article called Netflix's Junji Ito anime fails to break the terrible horror adaptation curse, which I feel like isn't true. Like... I we've seen some bad horror anime. <laughs> like we we've seen some bad horror ma- anime that is widely claimed to be good. Yeah, got to so disagree like, with. <laughs> I think aside from Paranoia Agent, like this is definitely this is probably number two of the horror anime yeah. we've watched. And I think like we I was talking about this with Paul after I watched the first episode or the third episode. Like Junji Ito's stuff 
doesn't necessarily exist to be analyzed. Like you definitely, especially episode three, you can look at it from certain angles about like mental health in Japan and how that's handled. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this, especially episodes six and nine, they just exist to be horror. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's kind of the point. And, like, I think of the ones we watched, the library one was definitely the weakest. Yeah. But it was still, like, good. Like, this this image of this man, like, decaying in in these stacks of books, forcing himself to memorize all of them, is haunting and spooky. And I Mm -hmm. just think it's, you know, having the material there, Junji Ito's material, it's like, the animation in this admittedly isn't very good. It's pretty mm-hmm. stiff, but it's still enjoyable. Like, I had a great time watching these. I definitely want to watch the others. You're telling yeah, me, same. You're telling me you didn't see that mold baby, and you went, ah, oh, the proletariat. I understand what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, like I said, I got profound respect for the horror genre, especially when it's done well. Uh, you know, Jinji Ito. <laughs> Maybe a bold statement here, master of his uh, craft. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we. I've definitely seen a lot of complaints uh, about, like, because, yes, stuff is made for a specific medium in mind. And when it gets translated into a different medium, you're going to lose some of it. And it's very hard to capture the same magic that was in it originally. Mm-hmm. So I've seen some people, I mean, like the Kotaku article, why would I respect Kotaku now? Um, <laughs> and uh, I've seen a lot of just garbage animation takes on Twitter of people being like, especially with the Jinji Ito collection of like, oh, it's not well done. And like Tessa said, one guy meticulously drawing extremely thin lines and ink on white paper like yeah he gets a lot of like feeling and texture and depth in his work mm-hmm. that's his signature similar with like the work of berserk like that's their that's what their style is it cannot work in a fully animated and colored medium that has to move yeah. like that you're going to lose a lot of the like specific details of that and if you're aware of that I think they did a good job with this one, especially better than the Jinchito collection. That's real bad. Um, <laughs> but you're definitely going to lose some of that. And if you understand that and go into knowing it, it's it's still not amazing. But like you can at least like appreciate, like, oh, yeah, there were some gnarly, visceral images in this show. But expecting the same level of detail as you get in a graphic novel or a manga, insane expectation that you're only setting for yourself to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But and yeah, I think... We- I think the the Uzumaki adaptation is only going to be four episodes, and I think I've only seen... There's only one trailer, I think, and I only ever saw it once, but I think it's also only going to be in black and white and, like, gray. So I think, hopefully, with it being short and, like, putting all of the energy into only four episodes, maybe it'll convey his style better. Maybe that's the goal. Yeah, that's what they're hoping for by condensing it. It's also the widely most known work of Jinji uh, so yeah um that's what they're hoping for but like yeah it like just by the nature of being a different medium it's gonna lose some of that um but still yeah like if you want little episodic sn- short story snippets of horror this is great this is yeah uh, also enjoyed it you can also give it a recommendation it's uh pretty good we yeah <laughs> should have saved it for halloween <laughs> oh, well <laughs> whatever we wanted to get spooky 
hey, there are uh, topical balloons this time of year in the world, so it's fine. <laughs> um, if there are any recommendations you would like us to watch, please send them to our email, yet at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on TikTok or Tumblr at yet on both. I keep saying that. That doesn't quite work for Tumblr since it's areweberryet.tumblr.com, but uh, <laughs> you, you get it. You know get where to find it. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at honey period D and on Tumblr at honey D and honey is spelled H U N N I E. I'm scrungling around on the internet. It's not important. Instead, I'm going to recommend an artist uh, I moderate for called Onsta on Twitch. She does a lot of good work and it's very <laughs> feral and chaotic like my end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it works. Thank you to Camille Ruley for her artwork, and thank you to Louis Zong for her theme song stories. You can find all of Louis' music at louisong.bandcamp.com. Thank you, and I hope you'll join us next week as we learn to live with anime. Boo! Ah! Adcap, all disciplinary committees are bastards. <laughs> 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 <laughs>